In this podcast, we'll be discussing the most significant workplace relations issues of the month, March 2021. The full members-only report is available on our website at aigroup.com.au in the policy section under Workplace Relations Policy and Advocacy. With me today to discuss the key aspects of this latest report is Stephen Smith, AI Group's Head of National Workplace Relations Policy, and I'm Tony Melville, AI Group's Head of Corporate Affairs. So we'll just be talking about three of the issues in the report this month, casuals, the wage review, and JobKeeper. And casuals, of course, are part of the omnibus bill, which did not get through. It went more of an omnibus to a minibus, I think. So that failed, but we got the important casuals part through. What went wrong? Well, what went wrong, essentially, is that we needed three of the five crossbenchers and unfortunately, only two of the five were willing to support all of the various schedules in the omnibus bill. Um, the other crossbenchers were not, but fortunately, three of them were prepared to support the casual employment provisions in the bill. With the other provisions, we're still working hard to achieve those legislative amendments, dealing with awards, enterprise agreements uh, and Greenfields agreements in particular. They're very important issues. So the Greenfields loss is the biggest disappointment? Um, well, the enterprise agreement uh, changes were critical. The Greenfields changes uh, would be very important and there were some useful award changes as well. So what uh, we're hoping now is that the government will introduce another bill into Parliament over the months ahead and keep trying to secure enough support from a majority of the crossbenchers. Okay. Okay, now on to the bill itself. Uh, as you mentioned, the only bit that got through was very significant, a significant around casual employment. So what is changing on casual employment? Why was it necessary, just to remind people? It, it, the reason why this was so important is because of those two decisions of the federal court in the Workpack versus Skeen and the Workpack versus Rosato cases, where the full federal court um, put this fairly vague definition of who is a casual employee. Um, so what we needed was certainty to avoid the enormous cost risks for employers with people coming along and saying, well, I'm not a genuine casual and I'm entitled to annual leave and sick leave and redundancy pay, etc. It was a major problem that needed to be fixed. And fortunately, the legislation has gone through and hopefully will fix uh, these very significant problems that uh, have been there for the last uh, few years. So now we've got a clearer and less risky definition of a casual employee. What is that? Yeah, there is a, a certain definition of a, a casual employee. It's a lot longer than the ones that you might be used to in awards. But the key thing about this definition is it's an exclusive definition. So if a person meets the requirements of the definition, then they are a casual. The, the test is uh, at the time of engagement. So it doesn't go to what happens during the course of the employment. Um, and it expressly says that the fact that someone works uh, regular hours does not mean that the, the person is not a casual. So it, it is quite certain and uh, we believe very workable. And businesses now also need to be 
more careful about what wording they should use in employment contracts when they've got a casual employee? What should they be doing there? Yes, well, what they should be doing is using the words in the new definition to make sure that the understandings uh, at the time of engagement are consistent with the definition of casual employment. So firstly, the offer of employment should make it very clear that the person's being engaged as a casual employee. Secondly, the words in the employment uh, offer should state that the uh, employer is uh, making no firm advance commitment to the employee of continuing an indefinite work um, according to an agreed pattern of work. Um, obviously, the casual loading or casual rate of pay should be specified. Um, fourthly, the employer should specify in this uh, offer of employment that they can elect to offer work and that the employee can elect to accept or reject work. And finally, the other key aspect of the definition should be reflected in the offer, and that is that the employee will work as required according to the needs of the employer. So the, the document that's given to the casual on engagement should be framed around uh, the definition of a casual employee to avoid a, a lot of risk. So should employers now be going back over all their existing employment contracts with casuals and changing them to match the Act, if they can? Yeah, that, that is a, a very useful thing. Like every employer will need to decide what they uh, choose to do about that, but um, it would uh, make a lot of sense for casuals to be re-engaged under the uh, definition and other provisions of the legislation. There are also some changes around casual conversion that you that employers have to offer. What's the story there? Well, they, these casual conversion provisions will be terms of the National Employment Standards in the Fair Work Act, and it, it sets out uh, quite a robust scheme for casual conversion for employees. Uh, the provisions in the uh, the legislation don't apply to small businesses, those that employ less than 15 employees. But importantly, small businesses will often be covered by awards that have casual conversion obligations. So it's important to be aware of that. Um, in terms of other businesses, the, uh, the obligation is to offer conversion after 12 months of regular service. Um, you know, the, the words are a bit more complicated, but essentially that. But there is a right to reasonably not offer uh, casual conversion in certain circumstances. You know, for example, if the casual is not going to be needed uh, you know, within the next uh, little while. Okay. And just, just the last on the casuals there, how does this legislation and the definitions of casuals impact on businesses that are using modern awards or in enterprise agreements? Well, with the modern awards, all of the modern awards that include casual provisions, which is, uh, you know, close to 120 of them, mm. um, they're all going to have to be varied over the next six-month period to um, ensure that it's quite clear what the obligations are in the award versus the Fair Work Act. So that's a big case that will kick off soon. Uh, with enterprise agreements, uh, there is an ability to go to the Commission and have any uncertainty 
about the enterprise agreement provisions resolved through a variation to the agreement. Uh, the short answer, though, with an enterprise agreement is that the national employment standards overrides anything inconsistent uh, in a way that's less favourable to employees in an agreement. So the provisions in the legislation are, are a minimum. Okay. And if employers get it wrong, there are big penalties under the Act? Yes, very hefty penalties, similar to the other penalties for breaches of the legislation. So um, up to more than $650,000 maximum for a serious breach of these new provisions for a corporation. Okay. Now, moving on to the second item, the annual wage review. Now, the submissions were due in last week and we've put in our submission asking for what? Um, well, what we have highlighted to the Fair Work Commission is the enormous uncertainty at the moment around the economic environment. Our JobKeeper uh, ended uh, only last weekend and uh, the Treasury Secretary is saying that there'll be 100 to 150,000 jobs lost uh, as a result of the end of JobKeeper on the government's best estimates. So what we've said to the Commission is we can't um, propose a wage increase uh, at this stage in the case because we need to understand uh, a lot more about the impacts uh, of JobKeeper ending and other economic factors. Fortunately, this year there are five rounds of submissions in the case ahead of a decision being made by the Commission in, in June of this year. Another very significant issue in the case this year is the superannuation guarantee um, that has already been uh, legislated and coming into operation on 1 July, a half a percent increase in the superannuation guarantee. Uh, there's, there's been talk of uh, potential legislative change to uh, unravel that, but at the moment there isn't even a bill in Parliament, let alone a bill passed. So that is something the Commission should take into account, this half a percent superannuation guarantee increase. Okay. And it's an unusual process this year, isn't it? There's a number of steps to it, isn't there? Yes. Normally there's three rounds of submissions, but this year they've scheduled uh, more rounds just to get the very latest economic data ahead of that decision in June. So the, the, it'll be a big case, um, these five rounds of submissions and hearings in, in May ahead of the, the decision being handed down. It's complicated this year also because last year there were three different operative dates for wage increases. Uh, employers in retail and hospitality have only paid the last increase on the 1st of February. So we'll obviously be arguing very strongly throughout the case that it will be completely unfair for those employers to have to pay another increase on 1 July. Okay. And where do the unions stand in the wage case this year? Yeah, the unions uh, are pushing for a very hefty wage increase of uh, more than 3%. Um, and we've argued that that is completely reckless in the current environment when CPI is below 1% at the moment and there are enormous uh, economic challenges. Okay. So just the last item to discuss out of the significant workplace relations issues of this month. JobKeeper, last but not least, uh, JobKeeper ended on the 28th of March. And so what are, what are the significance of that for employers apart from, uh, apart from the impact on their payment of staff that have been using it? 
Yeah, well, there are two key issues here. One is the end of the JobKeeper payment scheme, which has a significant impact, of course, on many businesses, um, and it will no doubt have an impact on employment and on insolvencies. The only issue is how big that impact will be. But the other really significant issue for many businesses is that the temporary provisions in the Fair Work Act that accompanied the JobKeeper scheme uh, ended on the same date that the JobKeeper scheme ended. So this will have an impact on, on employers. So what, how, how have those worked, those directions? Yeah, there, there are a number of different types of direction and agreement that were available. But the one that by far was utilised most frequently was known as the JobKeeper Enabling Stand-Down Direction. And this was an ability for an employer to direct employees to either work less hours or zero hours. So it was an ability uh, to really adjust the supply of hours with uh, the reduced demand during the period of the pandemic. There are a lot of employers who still have these or had these directions in place. Uh, so it is going to have an impact, these provisions being removed from the Fair Work Act. You know, for example, there are many suppliers into the aviation industry that really have found that demand for their services dramatically reduced. So you know, once this no longer became available from the weekend, then they're going to need to look at other options for either reducing hours or standing employees down. So if anyone's using these stand-down provisions, they've got to stop it right now and they've got to put staff back on normal hours or look at some other arrangements, even redundancies. Um, well, the general laws now apply. So if a JobKeeper enabling stand-down direction was in force up until the 28th of March, what the employer would need to do if the employer was wanting to stand down employees would be to apply the general stand down provisions in the, the Fair Work Act in Section 524 of the Act, but you couldn't just keep standing people down in accordance with the other direction. Those other directions related to JobKeeper automatically ended on the 28th of March, so the new paperwork um, and so on would have to be issued and obviously the tests in the Fair Work Act for stand down would need to apply. Okay. Okay, we'll end it there. Uh, the full members only report is available on our website at aigroup.com.au in the policy section under workplace relations policy and advocacy. With me has been Stephen Smith, and that's all for now. See you next time.